AJ and McCall drop the mic on theater. Producer Butter's in with us. Hello. As always, on it, we might as well just change his name. You're here all the time. And uh, very happy to have another special <laughs> guest. Uh, Richie calls in with us, assistant director of the Lyric Repertory Company and assistant professor of acting at USU and actor this season as well. Yeah. It's obvious by the glorious, glorious <laughs> mutton chops going on over there. Yep, not for long. He's official <laughs> bad A of everything. Yeah. <laughs> he does good things. So uh, we're happy to have Richie in to talk about uh, theater in general, theater in Logan, theater in Cache Valley, and... and Let's have a fun conversation about it. First of all, thank you again, Richie, for coming in. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, I think one of my first questions, especially when I learned a lot more about the Lyric Rep, was that how you guys do your shows. How did you land on deciding to rotate between yeah. four shows? Uh, that's been from the very beginning, from 1967, when my grandfather founded the company. Um, repertory theater is a... It, that that's a tradition that goes back a very very long time to the beginnings of uh, traveling companies um, in Europe. Uh, repertory companies would travel around with a lot of different shows in their uh, pocket, you know, because they would go from town to town and they would show up to a place and they'd say, "Hey, this is what we have to offer. What would you like to see?" Oh, and cool! And the more shows that you had in your arsenal, the higher the likelihood that they would pay you or yeah. you know give you food or right. whatever it was to to see your work you know if you only had one or two and they had already seen those or they didn't like them uh, the last time they saw them then they might not give you any kind of patronage uh, so repertory companies would have as many as as they could manage uh, as many shows as they could manage in their repertoire um, and so that's where the tradition comes from um, in fact uh, recently Ian McKellen was asked in an interview why he thought actors were not as revered as they were generations before. And he said it was because there were less repertory companies in existence. Huh. Because it's such a great training ground for actors. Because you have to, I mean, it teaches so much about professionalism, mm -hmm. about having lots of different shows in your head, in your mind, you know, in your body. Um, and so th when, it w when this company was founded in 1967, my grandpa immediately wanted to... Uh, do that uh, for, cool. to train the students that would be involved. That's really cool. It's cool to see each of the actors, actresses coming and and being able to perform all of them because it's obviously difficult. How do you guys figure out like which specific yeah. shows? How do you put together you a season? Well, <clears throat> it's it's tricky. Uh, I mean, on on one level, it's a matter of what shows do we think are going to entertain our audiences. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I'm just to speak candidly that's if we don't put butts in seats yeah then right. we don't have jobs the next year you right know? so I, I i shouldn't say first and foremost but at the very near the very top of our um, priority is shows that we think people are going to come to right. you know as theater artists we're we're often very interested in in pieces that may not be widely popular right um and so sometimes we have to temper our own interests and say well but for the you know for the masses you know what are they going to like so we start with that an idea of what has worked in the past and we have a little bit of a formula for a long time the lyric was doing one farce or or very broad comedy um one murder mystery one musical and one kind of other piece and sometimes we would say like a classical piece um, we haven't always stuck to that formula, but for many of the seasons of the, over the last 51 mm -hmm. years, we have. Uh, so that's kind of like a formula we start with. And we and 
for about the first 20 years of the company's existence, they never repeated a show. It was all That's shows cool. that were new wow. to this area. And then to celebrate that 20th uh, season, they did a season that ha- I think was all revivals. Cool. And, you know, to kind of celebrate the, right. the, the 20th year. And what they learned is that those revivals did really well. Obviously, because people have seen them, they remember them, right. uh, they liked them, they, they know what they're getting into. Uh, and so from then on, they did at least one revival every season mm-hmm. for the next few seasons until about the 40th season. And then they started doing more revivals uh, to a point where for a while it was like half and half, two revivals, two new shows mm. every year. Last season, uh, we did a season of complete revivals because it was our 50th anniversary. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So what we did is in the program, we put a ballot in and asked audience members. We we put a list of every show that we had produced over the last 49 seasons and said, which of these shows would you like to see in the 50th anniversary? And they voted and we literally took the top four picks. Wow. Uh, and so those made it into the season, which was great. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, audience uh, attendance was way up because awesome. they were like the most popular shows we had ever done. But this year we were determined to kind of hit the reset button. You know, going back to looking at the first 20 years of the season where there were no shows repeated, we thought it's time for us to do that because if we just keep doing revivals over and over right. again, we're, our audience is going to have fatigue and they're going to get tired of seeing these shows over right. and over again. And we're going to run out of shows to revive. Yeah. Um, so we, we did that this year. We hit that reset button and we did four shows that have, they're not necessarily new works. I mean, Shakespeare's not new, right? but we've never produced it in the season. Hmm. So, uh, we're committed to doing that, uh, for the next little while. I won't put That's a, cool. I won't put yeah. an exact uh, time on there, but. How do, you, how do you go about casting for a show? Because I know McCall and I have got to meet you took my several question. of the actors. I'm going to fight you. You took my question. Oh, sorry. It's okay. We're on the same page. We got to meet several of the actors and actresses for this season. And, you know, they're from New York and Chicago and all over. But I know you were mentioning. It's okay to give it away because we've announced the oh, next okay. season. So then I know that you, we've met a bunch of the actors and actresses that were from all over this season. I know you, next season you're talking about a, a, a play that was going to be predominantly an African-American cast. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about casting, especially with these people from all over the place? Well, we we really start the same way every year. Part of the mission of the company is to bridge the gap between educational theater and professional theater. Mm -hmm. When my grandfather founded the company uh, at the very beginning, that was one of the reasons. So what we do is we start with our students, and we look at the needs of the season. And by the way, this is the same for designers and technicians and actors. Um, We say these are the roles that we need to fill which of our students could fill these roles exceptionally. So we don't generally take big risks in that area. So if we we have a student that we think, yeah, maybe they could do this, then they're probably not going to get that role. But if we have a student that we think this student has really proven themselves over the last year or two or three, uh, we really think they could shine in this role, then they will get that role. We go to those top students first. And so we fill in holes with those top students. And then from there we go, okay, what are the holes that we have left to fill? And then we hold local auditions here in Logan, and we hold some down in Salt Lake. And we see what uh, we have from those casting pools. And that's just a logistic thing because if we can cast an excellent actor from here in Logan, we don't have to pay to house them for the summer. Right. right? Um, And we don't have to pay for travel and things like that. Salt Lake is a little bit different because whether they're from Salt Lake or New York or California, we do have to house them. Right. Um, But we do like to showcase 
local talent. Um, that's not necessarily part of our mission, um, but it is something we like to do. So we'll go to Salt Lake next. Um, and then what we generally do is we we revisit previous company members. So we'll go oh, back cool. through the list and we'll put out a general announcement to all of our, um, you know, just on Facebook, we have like a closed group each year of each company. Oh, so we'll go neat. back like the last 10 years and say, hey, if anybody's interested, let me know. And then those actors and, and designers and technicians will shoot emails to me and they say, I'm, please consider me. Uh, and so we'll add them into the mix and we kind of s- say, all right, so who from our students, who from the local talent and who from previous company members could we plug into these roles? And then what holes do we have to fill uh, at that point? And then we'll go to outside auditions. We'll audition in New York sometimes. I've auditioned in um, in, in L.A. Cool. Um, we're also partnering with the Utah Shakespeare Festival oh, uh, more sweet. recently. Cool. Uh, they have a program there called Reach, uh-huh. which was um, started. It, it stands for Really Eager Actors Crying Higher, um, and it was uh, established so that they could use the resources of the company down there to bring in casting directors and people from the outside to help those actors get work for the coming year. Cool. Um, and I've participated that in uh, in that a few times. Last year it was cool because I was working for Utah Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was really easy. I already knew a lot of the company members. And they set up uh, an interview uh, session with me. And so people could come in and say, yeah, I'm interested in coming up to Logan next year. Um, and so we we actually got quite a few of our actors from uh, wow. those auditions. That's this cool. Year. So with the Shakespeare Festival, um, just quick question on that. Is it? I never got to go to the Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. Is it mostly just a high school thing? Is oh, that what no. it is, or is it everything? Is it colleges and? It, I think the high school thing that you're thinking of is the 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 Shakespeare competition that is sponsored by the festival. Oh, okay. But that's okay, actually gotcha. just a very small component. Gotcha. I mean, it's a huge thing, right, but it's absolutely. a small component of what they do. It is, um, uh, it is one of the top theater right. companies in our region. A, cool. very, uh, a very professional uh, company that hires actors from all over the place. So for instance, you know, our company I think is made up of this season. We have 86 company members. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, last year Utah Shakes was close to around 300 companies. Holy cow! Members. Oh, wow! So it's a, a huge operation. I think they have something like a seven million dollar oh operating gosh, budget. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Yeah, so I mean, they're 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 a big deal. I was just curious because I remember my like in high school, I remember all of the kids being like, "Yeah, we're going to the Utah Shakespeare Festival," yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, cool." Yeah, so their I season starts in May. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the performances start in June, July. Um, and they go all the way into October. Mm-hmm. And so like late September, they have the Shakespeare competition. And that is for high schools. Right. Well, actually, I think it's also for middle schools and just arts organizations in uh-huh. general. And that's uh, that's what you're talking about. And so yeah. they go there and they perform monologues, mm-hmm. duos, uh, ensemble scenes. And then members of the company and members of the faculty at SUU uh, we'll judge those events and give feedback to the students. I think yeah. that's where my brother went, but I don't remember. Yeah, I think he was there. Acting runs deep in McCall's family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember where he. I don't remember uh, where he was. Literally. It really does. It really does. does Obviously, I'm a drama queen. No, but seriously, like my little brother. My little brother ended up going, uh, getting accepted to Snow College on the dean's like whatever theater scholarship thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's so he's actually going down there, but I can't remember. He ended up winning first, whether it was at the Shakespeare. I don't remember uh, where. 
it was. I, d- I don't remember seeing your brother at the Shakespeare Festival, uh-huh. but, uh, but I did meet him at the Utah Theater Association, okay. which is another theater conference they have in the state. So the big the big theater event uh-huh. in the fall is the Shakespeare competition uh-huh. down at uh, the Shakespeare Festival. But in the spring, uh, the state of Utah has the Utah Theater Association, and they have... Um, that's really geared towards getting their students into college. Right. So all of the universities in the state um, will meet and uh, they have auditions for students who are interested in auditioning for university theater mm-hmm. programs. And um, that's where I saw your brother audition. And I, I yeah. think that's where it was. I think that's that's the one that I'm I'm thinking he got first or whatever for. Because he... Yeah, I think they, uh, what they do is remember. each of the auditors who are watching the auditions uh-huh. they make a list of like the the students they feel were the top 10 uh-huh. and then they collate all of those results and then whoever has the highest points gets a, a scholarship award so sweet. that's probably what that, it probably is because i i think at shakespeare i think he he just kind of tagged along mm-hmm. if i remember right yeah but cool so, interesting i just was always curious about it sorry go ahead oh you're good uh so is is uh utah or like this area like very big on theater or is it, or is this just like a small fraction of like what the U.S. does that does that make sense? The question I'm asking. I I th- I think it is. I mean, I I guess I don't honestly have a lot to compare it to. You right. Know, I've lived in Texas and New Jersey, um, and, but I in each of those places I was immersed in theater. You know, because of the work that I was doing. Um, I think genuinely Utah is very supportive of the arts. Absolutely. Um. I mean, if you think about just our little community here right in Cache yeah. Valley, yeah. you know, on one block we have the Ellen Eccles Theater, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Utah oh, Theater, the Kane Lyric yep. Theater. Yep. Um, and that's just like the professional stuff that's going on in that area. Then there's like, you know, the community stuff that's happening. Um, we have a very vibrant uh, community and, uh, and there's still always people that, you know, don't have enough of an outlet. So you're seeing like new community theaters uh, pop up. You're also seeing like community theaters that do these enormous shows, you know, with like casts in, you know, the fifties or sixties, um, sometimes even yeah. bigger than that because there's just so many people that want to be involved. I, I guess the one thing I would say, and this isn't really a criticism of our area. I do think culturally in this area, we do expect a lot of things to be provided for us. Uh-huh. And so because of that, while I think the community is incredibly supportive of the arts, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean uh, dollars. Yeah, you it's know, not a monetary I mean? thing. It's very yeah. much more of a, my mean. heart is with you, but we're yeah. not going to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and and that sounds like uh, critical, but I don't I don't mean for it to. No, it's I, well, it's, it's not, but I, I can see where you're coming from with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. A lot, I think a lot of places, like businesses here, it's it's that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and listen, I'm guilty of it myself. I am Me willing too. to spend, you know, X amount of dollars to take my family out to eat. Yep. But even me, as somebody who makes their living as an artist, if somebody says, hey, come see this show, this is how much you have to pay. It's like, I'm like what? Forget it. Let's no, go to Chagarama. Go. You know, yep. like uh, I, there's, there's things that we're willing to spend money on right. and then some things that we just expect – a, a significant discount. We expect it to be subsidized in some way. Right. And I think sometimes those those subsidies aren't happening at the rate that uh, that we wish they were. Yeah. So my next question, Richie, has to do with actually after Lyric Rep because you guys are winding down your season mm-hmm. and teaching because you start off by saying when you when you fill castles, you start with your students. So what is 
I guess, how's a teaching season go for you? I mean, what do you do at USU? Fill me in. Uh, so I teach, uh, and, and generally most of uh, the faculty in the theater department teach between three to four classes a semester. Um, and so that's what we do. It's like we close the lyric season, we have a couple weeks off, and then we get ready for school. You know, we teach classes. Um, once during the year, I direct a show. Um, we do six shows a season, uh, three in the fall, three in the spring. Uh, generally though it's not always the case, two shows in the big Morgan Theater, which seats about 700 people, two shows in the Lyric, and then two shows in our Black Box Studio Theater. Sometimes there's exceptions to that. Um, but that's the focus, really, is um, our our classwork and those six shows. What's the difference between the, 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 I guess, amount of work and what goes into putting on the shows up at USU versus the Lyric Rap? One of the primary differences is time. So, I mean, when we're working on a show at Utah State, we we have between five and six weeks to put the show up in those five to six weeks. We're working from Monday to Friday, uh, from like six to 10 or six thirty to ten thirty. Um, that's a lot of time. Right. Um, when we work during the summer, we have three weeks for a show to put a show up, but those three weeks we're rehearsing three shows. I mean, four shows d- during the days. So you, you will never get daily rehearsals. You'll always have, you know, like maybe a couple days in a row and then a day off um, from a specific show. And you're only rehearsing in three-hour blocks. So just the, the amount of time put into a specific show is so different. The reason we're able to do that is because we're using, like I said, top students and a lot of professionals. Um, so they're able to move at that pace where our students are kind of learning process while they put on the show, are we're not we're not teaching anything during the lyric season. That's we expect people to come in prepared and ready right. to go. We block a show. We right. expect you to come back and be able to execute it. So um, the actors are operating at a much higher and faster level um, during the summer than they are during the school year, and that makes for, for some interesting things. Because like you know, if, sometimes I'll be directing a show at Utah State. And I get used to working at that pace. And then I direct a show for Lyric and I start moving at that pace. And I realize very quickly. You can't be I moving can't, at that you, pace. Exactly. Yeah. So I got to move a lot faster. I got to, you know, you just got to shift gears. Yeah. How do you pick the, is it, how do you pick the shows you do for USU just out of curiosity? That's, uh, that's a similar situation though. We don't, we're, it's not that we're not as concerned about the audience because we certainly, you know, the, the experience is, only as positive for us as it is for the audience. Right. But it is our first priority to make sure that we're doing material that will educate our students. You know, we have to expose them to a wide variety of right. of genres, of styles, of playwrights. Um, whereas in the summer, that's not that's not necessarily what we're doing. Not really trying to teach the, our participants. We're not even really trying to teach our audience the primary concern is entertainment. entertainment. Um, so that's a big difference. And that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I've just always been intrigued with the way that, that it works, the way that you choose, uh, choose shows. Honestly, with, with the lyric rep company, I didn't even know, and this is going to sound so dumb. I didn't even know rep companies existed. I didn't even know what a rep company was until you started <laughs> explaining it. And I was like, 
Dude, this is so I, cool. I mean, for me, I've heard the name, but I didn't, I have too, never even, but like, I never yeah. registered. You know, that's not that's not dumb at all. We find that a lot. You it's know? cool. And, you know, people will come to us sometimes, and the you know they'll even say, "Oh, that show was so good. Do you guys get paid for that?" And we always just kind of scratch our heads, and I mean, if, yes, like <laughs> how could we do this if we didn't, right? You know? Absolutely, I mean, this is our profession. <laughs> right. Um, no, we do this for free. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> hey, I thought that about radio too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. And then I realized it was a job, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's super cool. So uh, when you guys are looking to to cast people, when you are looking, you guys obviously, I'm sure, hold auditions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to picking, is it like you have this list? Just to kind of backtrack a little bit, you have this big long list of people that you like, and then do you just select them you're like these ones these ones these ones these ones will do good things in this yeah so when we see people audition um generally i'll have like a big spreadsheet of all the roles that we need to fill and Uh when i'm seeing somebody audition i think right away okay this person could play this role right this person could play this role but because we're casting four shows at once we i if i can't put that person in more than two slots or, or at least two slots then they really aren't really in consideration right. for the season because right. it's just right we have to be able to use people across the season absolutely do you guys do you guys like tell the people that are auditioning what what they're auditioning for do they tell you I, i'm auditioning for the part of this is yeah, it how does that work is with so it, many shows yeah yeah it's i think it's different for every company it's different for every show um for us we announce next year's season right. in the program uh-huh. of this year so for instance uh, in our program this season, we posted the 2019 season, which is Mamma Mia. Oh my uh, gosh, no way. Yeah, A Raisin in the Sun, uh, Clybourne Park, and a musical called Murder for Two. Cool. So we post that, and uh-huh. you know people know about it. Uh, it starts to build excitement, both from an audience perspective and a participant uh, right. perspective. And we've got company members already right now, as I'm talking to them, some of them will say, hey, keep me in mind for this show. And we welcome that. Um, Absolutely. It's great to know that somebody is, is excited about a specific role or project. And then in October, uh, we'll send that initial notice out and say, hey, who, who's interested in being in this season coming back? And generally, people will say, I'm interested in being in the season. They usually leave it at that. But sometimes somebody will say, please consider me for this specific role. And that's fine. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's the, be- that's the beginning of that. Did I answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was just curious because I know when there are some specific shows that you audition for that you have to say i'm auditioning for the part of so and so and then you audition for it and if you know i'd like to understudy this or i'd like to generally people don't really tell us that uh, particularly if we're meeting them for the first time in the audition uh but they i mean they don't tell us that with their words but they kind of tell us that with 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 their piece selection okay so if we're doing uh, like this year we're doing Macbeth in our season right but we're also doing Grey Gardens, the musical, Peter and the Starcatcher, uh, Sense and Sensibility. So if somebody comes to an audition for, for that show, we only see them do two pieces. Uh-huh. So if somebody comes to those auditions and they do a monologue from Pride and Prejudice and a Shakespeare monologue, then what that actor is t- communicating to us is, please consider me for Sense and Sensibility uh-huh. in Macbeth, right? Right. If somebody comes in and they don't do any Shakespeare, um, whether they mean to or not, they might be communicating to us, don't, don't consider me, me for the Shakespeare. Right. Um, and and so, 
you kind of kind of communicate those things right. in lots of different ways. With, with that, is it a case where so they bring two pieces and you maybe think, okay, these are the two shows are Tommy? Is it something where you uh, then have maybe like a later audition to see if they fit another role in another show, or is it something where it's just a feeling after what they're doing? Yeah, um, we used to do callbacks, uh, is what you're describing. Okay. So we'd see the auditions and then we'd say, yeah, come back at this time, and w- this is specifically what we're asking you for. We don't really do callbacks anymore no. in an official way, but what we'll do is like if there's somebody we're really interested in, but we'd like to cast them in Macbeth, but they didn't do any Shakespeare. Right. What I might do is email them and say, hey, could you put a Shakespeare monologue on video and send that to me? Cool. Um, so anything that we feel like we're missing, or like if there's somebody that did two pieces and sang a song, but they sang a song that's in, not in the right style, uh, or maybe they didn't showcase a part of their range that we feel is necessary for mm-hmm. a role we're considering them for in a musical, we'll say, could you put a different okay. song on on I mean, we say video. It's not really video. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I know though. that you, because you talk about your grandpa and your involvement with Lyric Reps, you've been involved with theater basically forever. But uh, did teaching theater change anything about your perspective about, I guess, doing professional theater? Um, I, I think it actually works more the other way. That really? Doing professional theater changes me as a teacher more than the other way. Or Do you see what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, because as a theater practitioner, you know, like when I work for... Utah Shakespeare Festival or our own my own company here uh, my own company as if it, I own it um, <laughs> when I work for the Lyric Rep right. I encounter all sorts of things that are so useful for me in the classroom because I see some things happening and I can draw from my experience and say you know what keep this in mind because when you're working in the profession yada 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 um, so I, I think it really affects me more as a teacher than being a teacher affects me as a uh, as a professional actor. Right. You and know that, what I mean? that makes a lot of sense with, with, I played volleyball all throughout high school and they always said, you know, you can be a great player, but not necessarily a great coach, mm-hmm. or you can be a great coach, but not necessarily a great player. I think that it's, it's uh, a little bit different with, with theater because it is such an emotional, yeah. emotional media. And I think that that, uh, that makes a lot of sense because then you can take that and you can draw that and you can portray it onto the class because since it is such an emotional media and such a, it's so involved yeah. that that that's the most beneficial thing is that you can say, this is, this is what I've seen and it will be beneficial to you. Yeah, I, f- I find it easier just not to be great at anything, and right. then the expectations are not very high. So. There you go. Cool. I like that idea. <laughs> I like that. I'm taking that. I'm taking that for myself. With Ding. The, <laughs> would it be in a case? I, I, probably not because they're independent, but do you find yourself maybe, as you said, being a professional actor helps you more being a teacher as opposed to vice versa. Do you find that there are choices maybe you make with Lyric Rep or choices you make with USU that influence the other, like in terms of how you said students fill the roles or something where... Maybe you saw a student at USU and that might influence uh, maybe a play you pick for Lyric Rep or the other way around? Yeah, that happens a lot. So, I mean, we we look at our student body and it's not even really like an official thing. Like we sit down and say, who are the students? What could we do to showcase their talents? We just kind of like, as we're picking a show, we'll think, oh, wow, wouldn't this be a great vehicle for these students? You know, so it kind of works hand in hand. The other thing is we know which of our students are very talented. We know which of our students are um, <laughs> good people. We know which of our students are pains in the butt. Right. Uh, and I mean, during the summer, I will literally spend more time with the company members than I will with my own family. And I'm not going to hire somebody that is going to be a pain. Right. Not just because 
I don't want to work with him, but I assume that's how everybody's feeling. And we, we really work to cultivate a kind of a family atmosphere because we're just going to be with each other all the time. Absolutely. And so if somebody comes in and I can tell they're super talented, but I, I can also tell that they're going to be diva. A, a, yeah, a, a diva or a problem. Diva is a good word. Diva they, is a good word. Then they usually don't make it into the company. Um, you know, and we find about that in all sorts of ways. Like sometimes you can just kind of smell it on somebody. Yeah. Sometimes you can't and they're on their best behavior with you. But out in the hallway, we've got a stage manager out there who's checking them in. And at the end of every audition, we always invite a stage manager in and we say, so um, anything we need to know about what happened out there? And usually they don't even have to go into details. We'll just, we're looking at all these pictures and they come and they point at a picture and they go, you know, this person, and it stops right there. We don't yep, even, we don't it. even need to hear the story. Gotcha. If, if somebody was rude to my stage manager in the hallway, yeah, then you, we're not, they're not going to make a great company member. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but certainly our knowledge of how they how they work in the classroom, uh, how they treat people in the halls, you know, all right, of that affects of whether or not they make it into the company. And it's the same thing at professional auditions. You know, your audition doesn't start when you're in front of me in the audition. It starts when you walk into the door, how you're treating the people in the hallway, the other actors, our, our stage managers. It's amazing what you can read on people just with their body language, just uh-huh. with the way that they, they act around other people, the way that they walk. You can tell who's arrogant. You can tell who's going to be snotty. You can tell who's just a good person, the way that they carry themselves, you know, and especially working in theater because that is such a, it's so visual. You guys pick up on that so quickly. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And we don't, and we don't always, you know, sometimes somebody will squeak into the season. We're like, Ooh, that was (laughs) was a problem. You faked it really good. (laughs) But they don't, they don't usually get invited. Some people are just hard to read. Yeah. Right. So for someone then maybe who doesn't, who didn't go to school, has passed college, high school, whatever, and then maybe is interested in getting involved in this area, what I mean, how would they go about it? Do they come to auditions or is that you think maybe they're not, for lyric references, is it something probably, they might be out of their league just because <laughs> it's so like, quick? You're like, don't do that yet. <laughs> well, listen, I wouldn't That's discourage anybody from com- uh, coming to auditions. And we see people sometimes that, uh, I mean, have never even been in a play, but just they came to see a play and they're uh-huh. like, I want to be involved. And we welcome them, you know, come on audition. You never know. Like yeah. we, we might have a slot for you. Generally speaking, um, if we see somebody who's totally green and has no experience, we might encourage them to come back the next year yeah. and, and in between auditions, maybe get some experience. You know, there's just so many um, opportunities around here, community theaters, um, arts organizations that are doing things that it, it's, it's a... Uh, it's not that difficult to find some place to get your feet wet if this is something that you're interested in. Something to keep in mind, McCall. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I think it would be really cool to be a part of. I would love to be able to I mean, obviously it would it does it does a really good job like improv type type things help a lot with this job specifically. Mm, yeah. Um but I would love to be able to work more at that talent at that art yeah. and and grow more but it's like I, time oh yeah, yeah. I mean, time <laughs> and that that really is the thing that surprises people the most uh, it par- takes so much yeah. time well particularly oh, yeah. people that are Definitely. coming from like uh, a community theater environment where that model is really designed to work around the schedule of people who are doing this as a hobby as opposed to right. a p- profession right so they're they're better about working around schedules they're better about not calling you at odd times yeah um you know uh, when you're working on a community show 
it's not unheard of to say, you know what, I can't make it to this rehearsal because I have this right. work obligation. That we we can't work around that. No, because you know this we're, is work. That yeah, is your work. Exactly. So uh, sometimes we do um, use members of the community, or we we'll go see a show and we'll see, wow, that person is fantastic. We'd like to invite them to audition. But that is kind of a shock to their system sometimes when they they can't show up with yeah. a list of conflicts. You know, instead we show up with the rehearsal schedule and you work around. This that. is it. You yeah. do it. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of like our job, really. Yeah. I mean, we we have to do certain things and people have to work. We'll have random us. remotes that mm. come up and it's like you got to do this, you got to yeah. do this. But you know, I I would love. I think it would be so great to be able to touch that little piece of like talent and work mm. on it some more. But it's like, I just, I don't, I would hate to burden anybody, you know, yeah. where, where there's so much behind it. <laughs> what? Nothing. Okay. Rich, you haven't been involved in, in Logan and Utah theater for so long. How have you seen it change over the course of your being immersed in it all this time? Um, I, I think as, as one company's, uh, professional standards rise, so do the others. Mm -hmm. And I think I think you see that all the time. You know, if one company starts to get bigger, the other companies start to get bigger as well. It, I don't think it's a matter of competition. It's a matter of oh, look, we can do that, and everybody kind of ha it has this you know domino effect. Um, so I, I think certainly not to knock the things that were happening. You know. 20 and 30 and 40 years ago uh, because there, you know, there's amazing things that have been happening for a long right. time. Um, but I, I think the level of professionalism is raising. I think the level of um, individual artistic contributions to the process is becoming more specific. For instance, back in the day, uh, just at the Lyric, a company member was hired to be a company member and you were an actor. You were also right. pounding nails into the set. You were sweeping the stage. You wear all of the hats, exactly. right? Yep. And, and now that's, that's really unheard of now in the profession. You know, you're, if you're an actor, you're hired to be an actor. If you're a designer, you're hired to be a designer right. and you're not really doing any of the other things. We have a few company members who wear like a couple different hats, but they're, hats that are related. For instance, like our master electrician is also designing lights. That's pretty, that goes hand right, in hand. Of course. Um, but gone are the days where we expect somebody to just wear all the hats. And right. it's, it, it, that's just not how we operate anymore. Not, not at the professional level. That might happen a lot more um, at the community theater level. And that, that makes sense. I think that, I sorry, I think that uh, Theater especially has has progressed so much because of the accessibility to to different media's on on the internet. Mm. I think. Do you sure. have yeah. you guys seen any sort of improvement that way? Well, you know, and I don't know that improvement is really even the best word. But you know, think, take stage combat for instance, right? I mean, stage combat is something that we deal with every single season. There's a, you know, some sort of stage violence, whether it's a fight or even just a push or somebody gets knocked down. Those are things that we all have to negotiate. Right. You know, you go home and you watch CSI fill in the blank or right. Law and Order fill in the blank. Right. Um, and you're watching like a slow-mo shot of a bullet being shot out of a gun right. go into somebody's leg and you see the muscle. You know, it's like there's so much detail. There's nothing left to imagination right. uh, visually anymore. 
So that certainly has an effect on what we're doing on stage because now you come to the theater and we're doing these like fake punches. And it looks so juvenile. Right. So we have to be held to a different standard now. We have to find ways to make it more realistic where I think the suspension of disbelief was a lot uh, greater before visual media became so prevalent. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Uh, I have a question just because it's something McCall and I get asked all the time in radio is did we go to school for this? And I did sort of, but I went to college and McCall didn't and right. we're here. And so with theater, do you find that to be the same thing for some people like going to college, like since you teach at USU works and for some people just kind of, as soon as you finish like high school, just getting involved in community theaters, local theaters are kind of working your experience up works or is it more so there's one way or the other that works better? You know, I don't know that there's one way or the other that works better. Uh, I, I do think this is a young person's game. And um, I know it may sound funny for somebody who teaches this at a university, but I will encourage people all the time. If you feel like you could go to New York right now and succeed, then go. Do it. If you feel like you could go to L.A. right now and succeed, then go. Right. It's the ability to succeed when you get there that determines whether you should pursue training or not. If you feel like you know exactly what you're doing and there's nothing for you to learn from me, then don't come to my school. But if you feel like you're able to sometimes succeed on stage and sometimes it's accidental or sometimes it doesn't happen, then you've got some things to learn. Right. Um, and so much of this industry is about being in the right place at the right time. But if you find yourself in the right place at the right time and you don't have the skills yeah. to to put your best foot forward or to show that you can do what they need you to do, then you're going to ruin that chance. Right. And so for a lot of people, for me, myself, I, I needed the training. You know, I finished high school. I had a great drama teacher he was my dad um and i learned uh, i think most of what i've learned in my life came from him but there were some experiences that i needed to have and not just teaching not just training although that was true as well right but i needed to have some experiences and i i had a lot of that in undergrad but when i came to the en end of my undergrad training i i realized i there are some really great things that i can do but I'm not as consistent as I wish I could be. And I think there's something I need to learn to make that possible. And I learned those things in grad school. So training was essential for me. I didn't feel like I was ready to go to one of the coasts and succeed without that training. Um, and for some people, that confidence will never come, no matter how much training you get. Uh, and for some people, that confidence may be there for them when they're in junior high. And, right. and maybe they don't need any more training after that. They just got something. You know, and they know how to use it. Uh, so I think it really just depends. If you really believe you can, you're ready to succeed, then go for it. Um, but that that confidence in your training and in your skills, I think that's what determines should I get should I go to school for this. Is that a conversation that you have at the beginning of the semester? I, do you do you work with kids throughout all four years, or do you have a specific year you work with? I guess I'm not sure. I, we, uh, I work with them throughout all four okay. years. Yeah. Is it something where like incoming students then you maybe have that conversation with and ask them? Because I know in radio that's something we get asked all the time when we get to work with professionals who are much further along than us. Ask the question: Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? What do you think you're good at? What are you bad at? Yeah. We, um, I mean, we we have that conversation for the most part as much as we can. In, uh, in interviews uh, right after auditions. Um, we really only want to accept students into our program uh, that answer this question in one of two ways. So we say, where do you see yourself in five years? And if the answer is, um, I want to be, you know, working in Salt Lake uh, 
teaching uh, at a preschool because that's my true passion, and I'll just act on the side. That's not really the kind of student that we're looking for. Not because there's nothing, the, 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 because there's anything wrong with that. Right. It's just we're going to put you through some a grueling four years to train you to be a professional actor. And if what you if you don't actually want to be a professional actor, then it's not the program for you. Um, we want them to answer answer in one of two ways. One, we want them to say, "I want to go right to New York or L.A. and make a living as an actor," or we want them to say, "I want to finish here and go to one of the top graduate acting programs in the country," um, because th- those are avenues to success as a professional in this field. Um, it's difficult to make a living as an actor. If what you want to do is make a living as an actor, it's difficult to do that outside of one of those major market areas. Yeah. How did you land then at teaching here? Was it just Logan was always calling to you? Well, Logan's home. You know, I was I was literally born here. I was raised mostly in southern Texas and southern Idaho, but my family has always had uh, roots here. My grandfather, my grandmother um, lived their lives here. And um, so when I finished high school... Utah State was high on my list of places that I wanted to train. I, I also saw that I could uh, I could audition for a scholarship, which I got, and you know it just made sense to come here for undergrad. Um, then I went away to grad school in New Jersey, uh, worked in New York for about a year, um, and then all in the span of about three months, uh, our student loans left the grace period. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our third child. And my dad uh, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so we started to feel like, you know what? It's it's time to come home and be near family um, yeah. and, and have some security. But at that point, I had a terminal degree. And so I could apply to teach at Utah State, which is what I did. I called um, some people here. They said, hey, somebody's leaving for the year. You could uh, You could throw your name into the mix to take her place. And it was late enough in the year that they didn't have to do a big official search. Uh, so they just hired me right away cool. and I came and I worked as an adjunct professor for a year. At the end of that year, they said, uh, we have some classes that are uncovered next year. Do you want to stick around for a year? I said, yes. At the end of that year, they said, Hey, we could use you for one more year. You want to stick around? I said, yes. <laughs> and then at the end of that, well, in the middle of that year, they announced a search to replace, uh, a, a teacher who was retiring the, the one that I had actually filled in for that first year. And so I applied for that job and I got it. Um, and so, yeah, I've been on a full-time teacher at Utah State for the last five years. This will be my sixth. Um, so it just kind of happened. You know, I, I never, I never really made the decision that I want to go back to Logan and teach at Utah State and be an artistic director of the Lyric Rep. Um, those are all just things that kind of happened as a result of me going from one job to the next and doing things to survive. (laughs) So sounds like life. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) To spin your own question on you, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and in, fa- in fact, um, about four years ago, well, I guess five years ago now, somebody said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, uh, I want to be an artistic director of the Lyric Rep. This was before I was brought on uh, as an administrator for the company. And so now I am. I'm the artistic director of the Lyric Rep. Yay, goals. And, uh, Congratulations. And so I've been asking myself, like, Okay, that was good. You know, I, I, I set this goal. I wanted to do this. I put it out there in the universe, and it happened. So I where, love that. Yeah, but lucky beard. But now I, but now I say, what do I want? Right. And the interesting thing is, the answer as I've been asking that question isn't really so much about it connected to um, 
acting or my profession, um, it's mostly about my family. I want, I want to travel. I want to, I want to visit every continent. I want to, um, visit every state in the United States. I want to get my family overseas to see cool things and experience things. So my goals are more connected to, uh, my personal life than they are, uh, my profession. Cool. I just want to ask you one more question about teaching because I know that, uh, when you, I know when you pursue right, a graduate's degree, you normally have to do some student teaching along the way. It's mm-hmm. usually part of the requirements. Did you, were you worried about that? Because I know a graduate degree is something I looked at basically since I finished my undergrad, and I've weighed back and forth about going back to school. And I've talked about that, and that's one of the parts. I was like, I, I've always sworn that I would never like teaching. Yeah. And for you, especially in this field, I imagine creative, I think it's got to be hard just because you work so hard to de- to perfect your craft, and you, and then once you, I think once you get it, you know what it looks like, and it, it might be difficult to communicate. Did you find it frustrating to teach, or something you just fell in and you were, I loved it? I was never intimidated by the idea of teaching. Um, my dad was my teacher. My grandfather uh, was a theater professor. So the idea of teaching always sounded kind of cool to me. Getting up in front of a group of students never sounded intimidating to me. But then when it was finally time to do it, what was intimidating was the how to do it. Right. I liked the idea of it, and I was excited by the idea of it, but I had no idea how to do it, even though I had had great examples of my own, you know, in in my family, uh, other teachers that I had had. I was incredibly intimidated by, okay, now what do I say? Yeah. Where do I put my hands? You know, like, how do I write this on the board? So the actual execution of the teaching was extremely intimidating to me. And for my first couple of years, um... I I really kind of like I kept looking at the door waiting for the teacher police to come in and announce to everybody that I was a fraud and didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, because I I found myself those first couple of years just thinking, I don't really know how to do this. I'm just emulating the teachers that I really respected. Right. And then about somewhere in my second or third year of doing it, I realized, well, that's probably what they all did too. Yeah. And- as long as I'm emulating a good teacher, that's probably not bad. And as long as I believe in the things that I'm communicating, then that's fine. And so I started to kind of get more comfortable. It wasn't like a light switch. I still, even to this day, there's days I go in and I think, did they learn anything? Did they get anything <laughs> out of that? You know, that I think that's just the life of a teacher. Um, but I, I kind of let myself off the hook and realized, no, cop- acting like a teacher is a good first approach i think you know yeah cool i was gonna say i i think i kind of feel the same way about my career too like just do i really know what i'm doing no no but i you just fake it you just wing it it. yeah Yeah. and you know you'll learn you learn things on the way i mean you still learn things cool Uh, richie i really appreciate coming in uh it's been awesome getting to meet you and get uh so much more hands-on with lyric rep this season I can speak for I think all of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been amazing. It's been amazing for us. It's been great to get to know you guys better at our promotional events and to actually have you in the theater space. And um, we look forward to it next year too. Yeah, Yeah. us too. Yay! Same days. Thank you again, Richie Call, uh, artistic director of Lyric Rep and excuse me, assistant professor of acting at USU. In with us this week, producer Butters in as well. Yep. This has been AJ McCall. Drop the.